0: You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. I'm Norman Lau, and I'm a podcaster, and it's time for me to fly this show. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and you're with us, and it must be time for Mission Log Live. Again, my name is Norman Lau. And I fly the show. And this is where Heather usually comes in. But unfortunately, Heather can't be with us tonight. Heather's caught a Rigelian bug. So Dr. Mabenga prescribed rest. So get well soon, Heather. I'm sure we will all miss you tonight. And here's how it's going to all shake out. You're going to join us. You're going to call the number that we tell you to call or see the number on the screen that i'm going to give you in a second you get in the earl green room he lines you up and then we get you into the program so tonight on mission log live it's time for more stories of pike and the crew of the enterprise with strange new worlds season three episode four among the lotus eaters and if you would like to be part of our live discussion you know what to do um but if you're new to mission log live and welcome if you are or if you just need that reminder, like I told you about, just click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap from your smartphone or call us. You see the numbers, six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three. Enter the meeting code and the password you see in the show notes on the side of my screen. And then Earl Green will get you settled into the room. And that is how you usually start the show. That's how I usually fly, period, the, period, ship. So let's take a look at who's with us here in Facebook What I love about getting on Facebook, like, really, really early, earlier, seeing everyone that's already lined up. So we have Scott Palm here. Scott, thank you for being here. Hello, Gene. Alan's here. He, period, watches, period, the show. So let's get some claps for that. Uh, John Arminio, nice to see you here. Being here on Monday night just feels right. I like that. It's very rhythmical. Uh, Hello, Dave. Hello, Dom. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Uh, plus one for any kind of electric boogaloo or Highlander to the quickening references, because those are sequels that are worth of note. Uh, Paul Harveth, we got a Paul in the poll position. Here we have Jim McMahon. Hello, Jim. We have Mark. Hello, Mark. David. Hello, David. Paul two. We got Paul Wright or Paul one, depends on who shows up first. Let's see who else we got here. Uh, uh scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Lots of familiar faces. Great, and uh, names. Would really be great to see your faces too. Always great to have all of you here uh, with us, Scott Palm get better Heather Ray Barker. thank you very much and I'm sure um, Heather will get back with us very soon. Um, I am going to vamp with myself. I absolutely will, but I actually is gonna I'm gonna lean on you chat so i'm I'm actually depending on you uh, to pretty much give me the content that I'm gonna need to steal for tonight. That's how this is going to work also. but we do a little housekeeping here at the very beginning this week on mission log, our coverage of Voyager continues. This Thursday, with Star Trek Voyager's Season 3 finale. You know this is the one that you've been waiting for. That's right. It is Scorpion, Part 1. And that's right. We're doing Part 1, and then the week after, we're going to be doing Part 2. There's so much to fit in with this one particular show. John and I decided to divide it into two separate podcasts, and we usually don't with two-parters, but it's that big. So this is the one where you don't want to be the fox in the parable. You know, the the fox, or the frog for that matter, Or pretty much any living thing that's propositioned by a scorpion for a ride across a large body of water. Don't do that. Don't be, don't give the scorpion a ride if you don't have to, or maybe you want to, who knows? That's really up to you. It's about trust really. And here's what's going on with the rest of the mission log programming. Now uh, we've talked about this before, you know, on Roddenberry Entertainment on YouTube, we have several shows that we do as live shows and that are also released as podcast recordings so we have mission log prodigy a lot of you out there thank you for your support hashtag save star trek prodigy there's a lot going on on the social media feeds trekmovie.com actually just posted this earlier today that they've confirmed that the second prodigy blu-ray and dvd are going to be released hosting episodes 11 through 20 which means that we're finally going to be able to collect the entirety of season one We'll see what happens with Season 2. Speaking of Season 2, that's the last episode that we recorded. That was Char, Earl, and I. We did that a week ago. And that covers all the information that we have been able to glean off of social media and um, confirm on some of the social media outlets about what is happening with Prodigy Season 2. So please pay attention to that. Please share out the Save Star Trek Prodigy hashtag. Please sign the change.org petition that's out there. Uh, Once we reach 50,000, then that becomes a little bit more important in the conversation. Also happening on Mission Log, the Orville again, Captain Mike Richards and Jessica Lynn Verde are covering the Orville graphic novels by David A. Goodman set between season two and three. That would technically be 2.5 if you do the math, math correctly. I haven't yet, but I trust them. Now, here's the kicker. If you haven't collected the library edition of these comic books, which is the oversized version of these comic books, and if you're a fan of the Orville, and if you love comics, and if you love giant graphic novels, oversized graphic novels, buy the library edition right now. I'm not kidding. It came in the other day. It is absolutely phenomenal. It is like one of those gorgeous coffee table books that you're just going to put on your shelf. Be proud that you have it thumb through it every once in a while to like read a couple pages, um, maybe with white gloves because, you know, it's just that beautiful of a book. Get it. If you're a fan, you uh, you won't regret it, really. And then listen to the podcast and then call in and talk to Mike and Jessica about it. And uh, that'll be all very exciting. So please remember that these shows and more are available at podcasts.roddenberry.com. And they can also be enjoyed on YouTube, as I mentioned as well. That's youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. That's a lot of talking. And thank you, everyone, for doing a lot of listening. Let's take a look at some of the chat that's going on. Uh, Let's see. Jane says, you run the show, we run the chat. That's what we're going to do tonight. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, Aaron says, no lotus eating in this episode. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. I'm not even exactly sure what show I'm on anymore. Uh, Scott Palm, "Monday Monday night is boring without mission log. That's the one thing, um, you know, maybe we should get you uh, some of the lotus plants so you can forget how boring that actually is. Uh, Am I a frog or a scorpion, Matthew says. Um, Fox. I do like the fox in that parable, the fox and the uh, scorpion. Uh, It's a brave new norm. Uh, I would say, yeah. I mean, it's better than being a terrified old norm, which happens sometimes. Let's see. uh, Cooley is here. Thank you for being here. And Captain Mike is in the chat. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Matthew says, went digital with my Orville graphic novels. Well, you know it. You can do them both. You know, it's always nice to have a coffee table book on the coffee table if you have a coffee table. All right, enough of my yammering. I'm going to take a sip of this wonderful tea that I'm uh, sipping from my Janeway-esque teacup. And we're going to get into the recap for Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 4, Among the Lotus Eaters, written by Kirsten Beyer and Davey perez Directed by Eduardo Sanchez, recap by Heather Barker. Thank you, Heather, for doing this. I'm so sorry that you weren't able to actually read your own recap because you put a lot of work into that, and I thank you for it. Here we go. While the Starships Enterprise and Cayuga chart a new binary system on a joint mission, Captains Pike and Patel try to fit in a little couple's time. Pike is deep into preparing his mother's special recipe when Battelle enters his quarters bearing a gift of her own, an Opelian mariner's keystone an ancient talisman meant to guide lost sailor's home. Before Pike can share his gratitude, the two are interrupted by a transmission. Battelle has lost a promotion to Commodore. Apparently, Judge Advocate Pasalk is punishing Battelle for her role in Una's trial, and perhaps even her relationship with Pike. Worried that he's hurting her career, Pike suggests the two pull it back, which is not well received. After Patel makes her exit, Una calls Pike on comms. Command has sent a sensitive communication, and it's about Rigel-7. In Pike's ready room, Una reminds us of the crew's previous experience on Rigel-7. Five years ago, the Enterprise was on a routine exploratory mission when they discovered the Kalar, a Bronze Age society organized in a caste system with a warrior class and a secretive ruling class. Their mission ended after only four hours With an emergency evacuation after the crew was ambushed and three crew members killed, Spock's injuries were life-threatening, which means they needed to get off the planet and to the Vega colony. While scans can't penetrate Rigel 7's atmosphere, long-range photography picked up images of a Starfleet Delta symbol in the hedges of the castle. The crew must return to the planet to remove any cultural contamination in an undercover recon operation, including a doctor this time. But Pike implies Mabenga is there for more than his medical knowledge. After the room clears, Una remains to ask Chris why his girlfriend's ship departed so quickly. Pike confirms the breakup, and Una calls him on his tendency to push people away. She likes Patel, and she likes Patel for Chris, but it's all too complicated for Captain Pike, and we know how captains tend to be committed to their ships and crews, rarely rarely settling down. Conversation turns back to Rigel 7, and the two ponder what went wrong. Una suggests the two rescue themselves, but Pike is intent on cleaning up the mess the Enterprise let recuse themselves, but Pike is intent on cleaning up the mess the Enterprise left five years ago. In a personal log, Ortegas is excited to be part of the landing party for once, but Spock shows up to ruin her day. Ortegas' piloting skills will be needed to manually fly the Enterprise through the debris field, leaving Pike, Mabenga, and La'an to visit Rigel 7. On the planet, Pike reveals that he brought Laon and Mabenga along for their combat skills, aside from archaic Starfleet tech 3D printed by Spock, just kidding, they won't be contaminating the planet further. The three set out with La'an's ears ringing. She's also feeling lightheaded, but it's the six-hour time lock for La'an that's most concerning. They reach the castle at night, and Laon has a migraine by then where they are met by castle guards, and now Mabenga's ears are ringing. Yeoman Zach, believed to be KIA, is now High Lord Zacharias, and he is not okay. He didn't send a message. His people adopted the delta as his symbol, and the gardener, went wild pike wants to help but zach refuses he's a king and he looks forward to watching the crew suffer as he did for so many years back on the enterprise uhura's ears are ringing and she's lost the past two hours una sends her to sickbay where chapel's never seen anything like this but is assured she can keep the symptoms under control until spock sends six more crew members her way pike and crew awake in a cage on rigel 7 remembering nothing a servant befriends them on their way to do forced labor he tries to re- be reassuring speaking of totems and being in the moment, but the landing party is skeptical. The servant explains that innate learned behaviors like walking and talking are safe, but memories of who people are and where they came from disappear during the forgetting overnight. Pike and Laon aren't cool with the situation and eventually fight back, leading to another life-threatening injury this time for Laon. In Sickbay, Chapel explains to Una how explicit memory loss, information and facts While implicit memory, procedures recalled by instinct or emotion, remain intact, but Una's ears are ringing and she's starting to forget. Una and Spock agree to move the ship away from the planet and its exotic radiation. There's pushback from Ortegas, but we're reminded that she flies the ship. Lon is suffering on the planet and the servant Luke encourages Spike and Mabenga to let her go. He's got the totem in his hut and is assured of the order of things. The palace Kalar do the remembering so the servants don't have to. But Pike won't let another crew member die. Luke finally agrees to help and Pike embraces his moment. He's going to the palace to get their memories back. Before he leaves, Luke and Pike have a moment. Luke doesn't want his memories. He can't handle the pain of knowing. While Pike is drawn to the keystone, Battelle lifted him, a gifted him. It's his emotional connection to her calling him home. Spock and Ortegas have forgotten who they are and Spock lost his ability to read. Overtaken by fear, Ortegas interacts with the ship's computer to return to the safety of her quarters, where she collapses with the anxiety of it all. Miss Enterprise suggests that Ortegas' plot, of course, and uh, reminds her who she is. She's Erica Ortegas, alpha-ship pilot of the USS Enterprise. She flies the ship, and Ortegas digs deep into her reserve of confidence to get back to the bridge. Zack and Pike battle in the castle. Pike becomes increasingly aggressive before Zach reveals that a box of memories is a myth and that an ore that made the castle protects the inhabitants from the radiation of the asteroid in its orbit. Pike comes close to killing Zach with a phaser gun, and Zach reminds him that the planet changes people. Disturbingly, Pike remarks that it shows us who we really are. He commits to bringing Zach home, but the fallen king's fate belongs with Starfleet. Luke's memories are revealed and he admits that he's better knowing. Pike's medallion reminds him he needs to get home and Ortega's reveals that the crew is back to normal in order to help the people of Rigel seven. The crew moves the asteroid away from the planet and Pike apologizes to Patel who agrees their relationship isn't easy, but she's willing to try again. The end. Nice recap, Heather. Thank you for that. appreciate it. And like all other recaps, very dense, lots of things to talk about. And, uh, Speaking of things of talk about, we have lots of callers lined up to talk about all the things we need to talk about. But before we do that, I want to get into something that's probably one of my bigger points that I'd like to discuss, put out to our callers, also to put out to the chat. And uh, it's kind of a morals, meanings, messages, but it's more of like a message that I've seen throughout the course of Star Trek in general. And it is everyone deserves joy in life, even a captain is here's the question is the isolationist captain trope in star trek the recurring theme why do we only really see like this series heads like the captains suffer from this dynamic so let's take a look at say let's go all the way back to the cage jeffrey hunter's most famous scenes as pike in the cage when he barks at dr Boyce and says you're damn right i'm tired you know he's tired about being responsible for the lives on his ship. And then Kirk at the end of the naked time, when he says, uh, he looks at Rand and he says, no beach to walk on feeling forlorn about the isolation of a captain. And then let's take a look at Picard at the end of all good things. When he's looking at his crew, finally sitting down to actually play poker with them for the first time. And he says, I should have done it this long ago or a long time ago, even in Scorpion at the end uh Janeway says to or in the middle of it Janeway says to Chakotay she says I keep looking to all these captains my comrades in arms but the truth is I'm alone and now all the way back to the Pike era Pike is distancing himself from Patel so early in this episode instead of actually trying to fight for his relationship so what is it about the legacy of the Star Trek main cast captains now I know that Cisco is a captain too but I'm talking about like the deep space exploration captains that places them in this isolationist mentality and I want to kind of like have, you know, everyone out there kind of like marinate with with that question before we get into the topics uh, that our caller is going to bring up. And speaking of which, we have our first caller. And, uh, dude, I love your background, Chris. You, you and First of all, uh, everyone applaud, Chris. He's got matching shirt and matching headphones. That kind of fashion statement is not to be understated. So what's happening, Chris?
1: Hey, good to see you, man. Yes, we are. We're all matched up today yeah you are a special night it's monday night always a special night um (laughs) but yeah i i like this i think as a as a quote-unquote generic star trek episode it is good it's got a fun premise it's got some nice moments Mm -hmm. i think as the quote-unquote ortegas episode it leaves a lot to be desired uh which i think yeah
0: yeah (laughs) you know that's um that's a conversation point that's kind of like made the rounds uh in the mission log discord and it it seems that there are a lot of us out there that are fans of the Ortega's character, but we're only really getting, you know, what's, what's kind of summing up to somewhat of kind of like a guest starring role, right? You know, she's, um, you know, obviously a um, Melissa Navia's main cast. That's the fact, but we're getting less than main cast time with her and less than main cast quality writing. So, even though that is, this is probably the bulk of most of, of what she's been given on screen, it's not the greatest. You know, let's be
1: honest. Yeah, and it's also, I think, like, not to discount this week, because even, like, her, her big moment, right, I fly the ship, I fly the ship, that's great. And that plays really well, but it also doesn't tell us anything new about her. We knew she was confident. We knew that she flew the ship, you know? It's one mm-hmm. of those things that, like, when I get a spotlight episode... Like in Strange New Worlds, I want to learn something new or go a little deeper. And we still haven't gotten that. So I'm I'm hopeful for later this year. But yeah, this week was.
0: What do you think? We've seen some previews and we're seeing a little bit more of her. Um, I mean, do you think that she's going to get her due or do you think she's going to get relegated to, say, we're some of the secondary cast. And I say that very respectfully, I'd love to be the secondary cast on the main cast of the star Trek series, but I just feel sometimes that the writers haven't really just got their finger on the pulse of this character. They probably had a great concept for this character, but they haven't really been able to give Ortega's the voice, her voice. And I'm just wondering if that's going to come. And is it, if it's going to come, is it going to come too late there also has been a discussion about, and I brought this up and I, you know, I've been trying to defend my position on discord about, you know, her boredom line in her personal log. And I will say that I think that her boredom for me, I'm interpreting it more as she feels maybe underutilized as the pilot, you know, the ship can fly itself aside from when it can't. So I just feel like there's almost kind of, uh, a fourth wall being broken where Melissa Navia as Ortega's and as herself saying, please use me more on the show.
1: <laughs> and Do you get that sometimes? I, I could see that. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting interpretation. I was kind of skimming the uh, the long discussion you guys were having the other day about the boredom. Um, I do... So after this episode, I went back and I watched the, the trailer for season two. So oh. I was like, I remember her being in the trailer, and there's one shot where it's her in a shuttle with Pike and two or three other people on their own, like, tactical deer. And it's, like, when she, like, does the dive bomb and, like, pulls up. So, I'm, based on that alone, I'm, like, I think maybe that'll be the Ortega's episode we want, where, like, maybe we're going to dive into what did she do in the war? How does she feel about the war? You know, because to go back to your thing with the boredom, like, we don't know enough about her to, like, know where this, like, emotion slots in. Like it yeah. doesn't provide us with enough context. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that later this year we'll get whatever that episode is with her and the shuttle and the tactical gear and it'll be good.
0: Yeah, and I hope it's, you know, again, it's meaningful as opposed to kind of like the um I, I want to say this in in a way where I think it, it feels contextually right, but sometimes the way that they write her it's essentially like a podcaster saying um or uh. It's a space filler, it's a silence filler and it doesn't really do anything except for bridge one sentence to another sentence and i want better for her because i think that she deserves better because she's a very interesting character just with the stuff that we've been given so hopefully that changes um i got one more uh one more point for you to hear to you know share with us and we're going to get on to our next caller
1: uh yeah i will just say sort of circling back to your your captain thing mm-hmm. i think part of why they do that is, at least if you're thinking in terms of romantic relationships, right, the captain is not supposed to date, you know, his underlings. And that's kind of what we're getting with Pike Mattel, right? He says, like, there's, there's a limited pool of people, you know, who understand what we go through. And I think that's maybe sort of where they're coming from is it's it's hard to talk about these things. And you get it a little with Pike, like, he can talk to Una about it. But this idea that you are, Sort of, It is imposed on you by the job, is that you do a very difficult job that not many other people do. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there may be some of that. That being said, I do like Pike and Mattel. I like Melanie Scrafano mm-hmm. from When on Earp. Um, she's right. very charming and very bright. And I like her chemistry with Anson, but yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that shapes up. I, I love in the, it's kind of like a, the this, the uh, episode is bookended with these two like 30 minutes kind of uh, like, details you know like in the first 30 you know like the first 30 minutes they're not supposed to be bothered and in the last 30 minutes when they're you know reconciled they're not supposed to be bothered so i just thought that was a nice little detail of writing um i do like patel a lot as a character again from what we've been given uh it'll be interesting to see like where we go from here you know if if Pike can again juggle that uh in his life and, and maybe you know again we're just seeing this whole relenting of i'm the captain i'm supposed to be alone and distanced i'm like mm, i'm not sure I'm not sure. I don't think I agree with that. Um but you know that's uh, we'll see what the chat has to say about that or maybe our next caller may have something to say about that. So thanks Chris. Uh always great to have you here. Um appreciate you calling in and um dude nice job with the uh the the color coding of <laughs> your wardrobe this week. All right. Um thanks buddy. We'll uh yeah. we'll chat nice to you. Chat to you later. And we have John Arminio up as the next caller. What's happening my man? i'm doing great norm uh, how are you i'm good it's uh interesting flying solo but you know yeah. these things happen um right now it's like you know I, i've i've been hearing like stories just you know people picking up this here pick, people picking up this there uh, you know mm-hmm. just I, i'm just getting over kind of like almost a sixth or seven week bout with bronchitis so you know people out there be careful you know um I am not, uh, you know, W.H.O., but I am, you know, concerned for all of my friends' healths out there. So please be careful if you need to do what you need to do. Mask, isolate yourself, you know, make sure that you get plenty of rest, eat well, rest well, that kind of thing. If you can, please do it.
2: it Especially with the uh, smoke cloud covering that has covered North America once or twice in the last couple of weeks, making everything worse.
0: Yeah, that's that's not really good at all. Um, hey, I have something for you, though, because I know that you, um, you kind of pay attention to this kind of detail the way that I do. So, Pike says in this episode that aside from the uh, archaic technology that Spock has provided for them, they'll be okay because they have, and listen to me when I say this, folks, subdural universal translators. That is mm, a yeah. thing. That was said. I'm like, all right. That's a thing. And now it goes forward with everything that I know about Star Trek communications, subdural universal translators.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, the more you drill down on universal translators, the more difficult it is to sort of go along with that logic, <laughs> because like <laughs> if, if you're if you're communicating with the Romulans say like they have universal translators, you have universal translators, you know how that technology works. But if you're communicating with a pre-warp civilization and it's still translating your language, it conceivably wouldn't also mask your lip movements. Oh, to, I know to, to change your, <laughs> um, to, to change how your like your, your face is moving when you're communicating or let alone, you know, like if, even if if like a swedish person went to italy mm-hmm. to try and go undercover you would have to change your body language because northern europeans do not communicate with much body language me being italian as you can tell from my hands um we use our our bodies in conjunction with with our speech so you would need to know that in order to to communicate within that society so right it's better if they had just like not mention that and d- just kind of assume that we know that have a universal translator and just l- l- let us, you know, run along with it, the plot.
0: Yeah, it's just, I had to, I make mention of communicator either consistencies or inconsistencies when I do stuff like Voyager, especially when I do stuff like Voyager. Um, but when I heard that, I'm like, okay (laughs) it's a thing now dom says in the chat, goes they'd still notice like you said he goes they'd still notice a gap in their lips uh and where's the speaker um i wanted to say something here for jane because jane says i missed the title reference of the uh of the lotus eaters and for people who don't get the reference and i don't want to sound like i'm speaking down to anyone by and being a little pedantic about this but for those who need a literary refreshing the title of this episode references Homer's epic poem The Odyssey and the island of the lotus eaters where a race of people living on an island dominated by the lotus tree whose fruits and flowers were the primary food on the island and were a narcotic causing the inhabitants to sleep in peaceful apathy. After they ate the lotus, they would forget their home and loved ones and um, long to stay with their fellow lotus eaters and who those who ate the plant never cared to leave the island. Just kind of like the memory loss here with losing the pain. So it's not so much. They ate something it's, they became so apathetic with the loss of the pain of their memories that they just didn't care about really anything else anymore. And even leaving. Uh, So it's kind of like this side of paradise, right? You know, when it's, the spores basically took over everyone in the enterprise and gave them like this universal peace until Kirk got so mad that he actually broke the whole, the the spores hold on him. This is the original series. Um, Anyway, I'm completely like talking over your time, John. So I know, I know that you have way more important things to talk about than what I'm saying.
2: Speaking of the Odyssey, um, to go back to your question about a captain and having a right to happiness. I think there is a trope in literature, going back to Homer, of a sea captain being a lone figure on a mission and denying their own their own happiness. Um, now, Odysseus did have an affair with a nymph, I think, um, on his way home. But there were several instances of him sort of making a show of his own sort of moral fortitude and his own pain, whereas his crew was more indulgent in their own vices. And I think if you skip forward a couple thousand years to something like um, Moby Dick, where Ahab very pointedly leaves his wife at home and r- rarely, if ever, sees her for the entire entire several decades of the marriage. Um, so I think the lone sea captain never having a fulfilling personal life is a trope that I'm sure Gene, that I'm going to assume Gene Roddenberry carried that over into star Trek. And we've sort of grandfathered that in through Pike and, and Kirk and Picard and et cetera.
0: Well, I mean, I haven't really read up my Horatio hornblower, but I'm yeah. sure that, you know, I know that Gene Roddenberry said that he kind of like he took the, you know, he took the pattern of that captain and then put that onto Pike and then subsequently mm-hmm. put that, I mean, he wrote what he knew. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just one of those kind of, well, let's see, I'm going to, I'm going to steal Mike Richards, uh, comment here. I think the lonely captain syndrome is an expression of the age old adage that it's lonely at the top Yeah. or specifically when you're in that leadership position, when you have to put the best interest of your people ahead of yourself. And I, I totally agree with that. Um, but I think that maybe, you know, sometimes in, in star Trek, those are leaned on a little, maybe a little too quickly or too easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, that's just, you're seeing it it's interesting that you're seeing it repeated as a theme um going all the way back to a series that's like a a refresher uh, you know like emulating what the original series was all about so just something that you know it just struck me as being interesting um you're a fan of the cage i think there are you know as as original fairies fans are did you notice that in the cage that the scene where they beam down to Talos 4, and then they walk up to the blue singing plant. Spock the entire time is limping.
2: Yes, and, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then they make a reference to Spock being nearly killed, you know, by the uh, by the savages on Rigel 7. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that was, um, you know, a callback to why Leonard Nimoy was limping in the cage.
2: Yeah, I, I do like this sort of connecting the dots in Star Trek Um, but I think that's also a result of I like when Star Trek deals with the consequences of of its own actions so like the menagerie or like who watches the watchers um, sort of the writers being cognizant of the consequences of the spacefaring civilization making repeated contact with pre warp civilizations and what happens after that and what are the consequences of that especially if you're not thorough with your cleanup like um you and John have said several times on the podcast just leave a cone and <laughs> and yeah. fly away so just fly around it yep, yeah yeah just- so so the yeah. fact that this episode is able to deal with the consequences of what happened on Rigel 7 um, and and also sort of make us aware of, you know, why it might be so dire or might have been so dire for the Enterprise crew those those years ago. I, I particularly enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, and uh, it gave me an excuse to, uh, you know, abuse my account, my personal account at Paramount Plus because they're actually showing Star Trek that I can watch. Oh, Amazing. oh yeah I said that I did because I can
2: uh, and oh, I'm still We s- want to get into what these content providers are deleting from <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> um I'm going to get on uh with the show. We have uh, about time for one more point here, John, and then I got to do a little station sure. break here. But um what else do you have for us um,
2: tonight? Although I think in a an- any sort of amnesia episode or plot, I think we lose a little bit of the team dynamic that I love so much in Strange in a World. Like, the mm-hmm. team working together well, I think, is something that I, I enjoy. But I also, what I loved about this episode, I think, most of all, was that we got to see the characters stripped of their sort of surface moral codes and Starfleet regulations, and they were left with their bare core morality to make the right decisions. Um, so like when Spock believed Ortegas that she could do it, um, dis- despite logic telling them otherwise, or just some of the, the decisions of, of friendship that we saw on the planet, that those are probably the highlights of, of the episode
0: for me. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because before we before we go... Uh, I want to read something that Heather wrote about something similar to that. So Heather said, Rigel seven, the Kalar. Okay. Revisiting some history from the cage enterprise, the needs to clean up its own mess. This mess is cleaned up by bringing Zach back to Starfleet and moving the asteroid. We know there's a castle huts, a field, but what else are these people going to be? Okay. Pike says that the planet, the radiation shows us who we really are. And Pike nearly kills Zach. So, are they saying Pike is really full of rage and murder beneath the Boy Scout visage, because and that has been removed and stripped away from him?
2: And I think that scene shows how relying on pure emotion and instinct is also not the way to go. Because I think that's also part of what uh, Zach's downfall was. He he let his despair uh, get to him without his support system to to help him. So are you saying
0: that it's harder for a barbarian to act as a civilized man than a civilized man than to act as a barbarian
2: um well, I don't think <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> how, how how that is a deep philosophical question Norm. i don't i don't know if I have time <laughs> to answer that before the break
0: go all the way back but to it's a, it's, a,
2: it's a good one. That's a mirror, mirror one. We'll, we'll,
0: yeah. you know, ruminate on that later. Thanks, yeah. uh, John for Thank your you very questions, much. man. I appreciate you calling in always. Um, before we get to our next caller, just want to talk a little bit here about our Discord. Now, if you haven't heard of our Discord, and I think you have many times so far on the show, because I've dropped it a couple times here on the show. So our Discord is where our Patreon subscribers can join in a larger conversation, uh, some live chat conversation, some conversations that happen in a multitude of different threads ranging from, I don't know, something as universally important as really fine dining and food, Uh, that's where John and I usually hang out most of the time in our Epicurean chat, uh, to um, the, gosh, the the ever-growing Star Trek chats that we have. Uh, the chats that cover everything from all different types of science fiction um, to modeling to our our wonderful tiki and convention chat. So if you have not taken a look at patreon.com slash mission log and you like hearing what we do, please take a look there. Please try and support us as you can um and once you choose a tier and a subscription that works best for you uh then that will qualify you to join us on the mission log discord where we have i think a live show every night of the week ranging from uh talking about strange new world season two hosted by heather uh we have captain mike hosting the orville chat uh, we have Matthew Comagius here, like uh hosting the Twilight Zone chat. I host the Babylon Five live chat every Friday night. We have our, you know, patrons. Uh the the reason why we created the live chats is for our after dark chat, which covers the podcast drop of the week, of which this is going to be Scorpion this week. And we also talk about um, and one of the special perks for our Patreon subscribers is our uncut version of the recording, which includes um a segment called Value Added Material, where I usually drop some pretty hot takes uh, and just to preview the hot take for scorpion. Let me just say this very quickly. Um, Josh, I can't believe I'm going to say this Janeway was wrong. That's all I'm going to say. So yeah, I said it. And it's part of the uh, value added material for the uncut show. So please support us at mission log, um, patreon.com slash mission log. And, uh, we hope to see you in the discord. um, we have Alan as our next caller. Uh, you, are you surprised that I dropped the VAM hot take?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Uh,
0: I always like a little bit of a always, spicy preview myself, you know.
3: Yeah, you know, it's it's always a good surprise to have. Um, but uh, but yes, uh, I, I, I see Norman. That you are also uh, you are also in blue, which means that you have also spent uh, a long hard day
0: uh crushing rocks out in the field with me uh is that correct um take a look at the calluses wait no don't look at the calluses on my palms yeah no i'm I'm a fellow uh soft-fingered person so yeah i'm i'm wearing blue i'm wearing blue but kind of like with green so am i like uh you know like if i were like playing settlers Catan, you know i'd be trading wood and ore so there you
3: go yeah take you know, take a take a quick saw break and then you're back to the to the rock crushing. So yeah, it's all good.
0: <laughs> right. You know, um like memory loss if it if for one thing it uh it inspires uh less idle time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, but how did you how did you feel about this episode as it's been placed in the first four episodes?
3: Uh well, I think as far as the uh the first four episodes go, um I would probably peg this as number four, uh, in terms of, you know, ranking. Although I mean, you know, what's your fourth best, the fourth best ice cream flavor is still ice cream. So I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, there's, it's, it's good. It's enjoyable. Uh, I liked a lot of the, I like the, a lot of the acting moments. I liked a lot of the callback moments. Um, Ethan does a thing uh, at the very end when uh, Ortegas is flying the ship where like he's the only thing that moves are his eyes. And it's it's the best take that that I've seen in any episode, probably this season. Um, So, I mean, there's there's a lot of good stuff in there.
0: Um, Well, that's a very Nimoy Spock trait. Yes. Just just the eye movement, like his whole body could be as still as a plank. But yes. just his eyes move, yeah,
3: but yeah that was that was a a wonderful moment, and there's there's a lot of interesting stuff to chew on um I don't know there episode two and and episode three uh, I don't know felt a little bit more impactful uh in terms of the storytelling um but but again this was this was good, this was solid, love you know. Enjoyed it, liked a, a lot of what it had to say. Um, uh, as far as the, the the question that you posed earlier, I'll just say that you know I think that uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Uh, kind of sums up my feelings about uh, the captain and their uh, their sort of solitude. Um, there is sort of it is sort of a nice. Shorthand for the person with, you know, the the most responsibility on the ship has to be the most selfless in a way, or at least that's what they're that's what they've presented to us. Uh, Whether that's true or not is something that maybe we're going to be exploring uh, with with Pike and 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 uh, Patel because I think that what what Pike is doing, especially at the start of the episode, is I think there's sort of a reflexive oh, I'm gonna protect you moment. I'm gonna protect you from the the uh the the trouble that I'm causing for you by pushing you away. And A, that's not necessarily his place to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know he, he has to you know that that's him sort of imposing his values or, or his judgment on her. And that's, that's not necessarily fair. So I don't
0: know. No, no, I mean, that's, that's a good point. And, uh, I was kind of hoping for like a Patel reaction. Like I didn't ask you to, nor, you know, that's, you know, or, you know, that's not, that's not something that, uh, you know, it's part of this conversation that you know you and I have, you know, or this relationship that you and I have. There's, um, I like the line that she said was uh, difficult is not impossible. Mm-hmm. So you know, yep. she is willing to embrace the difficulty of it, and I'm just wondering why he wouldn't be. You know,
3: yeah, and it's strange because uh, one of the things that I feel like they're pushing with Pike is oddly. Uh, that he's kind of got to live in the moment like what the what uh, what Luke uh, down on the planet seems to be pushing for him in a, in a in a weird way uh because he does kind of have this outstanding uh destiny that he you know he knows he knows his fate he knows what's going to happen to him um so all he has is you know, the present moment in a, in a in a certain point of view.
0: Yeah, Here's a question. Uh, here's yeah. the question that, um, <laughs> it kind of, uh, made me scratch my head a little bit. This is because I know that they, they wrote Ortega's in a very kind of haphazard way in this episode for me. So if Pike could fly the shuttle all along, then where was Ortega supposed to fit into this equation? Because she's supposed to be the pilot. So if she's not going to pilot the ship, why don't they get another pilot for the shuttle? That's a very interesting <laughs> that's a very interesting question. Um You know, like it's just one of those things where I'm like, okay, look, I, I understand that they, they wrote it so that they could show that she was disappointed, that she was underappreciated, that she knows yeah. she's she's there and she was supposed to go and you know get a little, you know, bit of a different flavor, you know, during the course of her day. But he's a pilot. Yeah. And he says, I'm a test pilot, so yeah, I can still do this. So you know what I mean? Like it just felt like she was an afterthought for the entire mission because, and here's something also that I wanted to bring up: uh, Laan combat ready, Mbenga combat ready. We have seen that three yep. out of four episodes so far. That's
3: yeah, something that they're they're hitting on,
0: <laughs> right? So I just I'm just wondering where they're going with that, and especially with again, this guy is a doctor, and he said something along the lines of doctors love being tasked for a mission because of their combat skills. And he said that really yep. sarcastically. I'm just like, like
3: yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, I, I I, can do that. <laughs> I, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's kind of where, where my headspace is or what I want to do. I right. kind of, I wonder if the original plan was where, uh, uh, dang it, I forget... Huh, I forget. I forget which one it was, but there was the one astronaut that stayed in the LEM on the moon mission. And I wonder if that was maybe gonna be her thing, but then why is she why does why does she have to get dressed up like the rest of them?
0: Just, other yeah. than
3: other than they're all dressed up and it's fun to wear the hat.
0: One of those weird things. Just yeah. again, one of those asides, just think about it. You know, if everyone has a really good explanation, uh, Dan says because this was Pike's destiny on the way to the cage plot armor. No, I get that, but uh, I think these right I think the writers bit. can write a little bit better than that. Um, again, why not just get another pilot who's not on duty? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, we we're gonna get to Sherry in a second. I just want to see if you have anything uh, else to say about the episode, Alan.
3: Oh, sure. Uh, well, while we were while we were in the, the green room waiting, uh, it was mentioned uh, that you know. It might be time for another song, uh, and I—I I wasn't really planning on anything, but you know, give me a couple minutes, and uh, here we go. All right. I fly the ship where all our memories are healed. I fly the ship through that big asteroid field. Mm. I fly the ship although the Vulcan asks why I am Ortegas. And I fly the ship.
0: Rounds of applause, everyone, for Alan Manilow. Love, <laughs> <laughs> well done, Alan. There uh, you go, <laughs> man of many talents, and uh, singing is definitely one of them. So, thanks so much, buddy. Great to have Thank you here you so on the much. show again. Yeah, and uh, we will see you next time.
3: Good deal. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you. We'll catch you on the flip
0: side. <laughs> All righty, buddy. Bye bye. Uh, next up, we have Sherry uh, with a very apt background, but. It's, it's weird. It's kind of like I love the background, but you're subliminally blocking out Ortegas. So no, is that?
4: A, but I think that's what this episode
0: you know, did. So. I, I no, I, I see your, your, your art imitates life, right? You know, art imitates life, and uh, this is your art form right now. So yeah. Um, so that being said, um, have you been following like along the conversations of how disappointed a lot of people have been? You know, with yeah. the way that Ortegas hasn't been really given to us as a character yet.
4: And I I agree, this had better not be the Ortega's episode because it's not, like, no episode where the character is completely, like, not remembered who they are can be the episode about that character.
0: Yeah, it's a weird thing with the two most interesting... The two most interesting episodes so far about Ortega's character hasn't really showcased Ortega's. And it's been Quality of Mercy, where she was basically aped the Styles character from the original Balance of Terror. And this episode, where, like, she's the most interesting... Because of the affliction that's you know plaguing her rather than her being a skilled pilot that has all of these different abilities and and seeing a little bit more of her personality, so it's just I fly the ship because I can also make fire, you know that's you know very you know, like primeval you know rudimentary type of behavior from her, but you know they set her up for something interesting and they just kind of like really pull the entire episode out from under her
4: right, and I think that they um for some reason that I never understand, that I never understand with the show, they they seem to uh, feel like she is like hates Vulcans, and I don't know, like they if they're getting that from the alternate universe um, Ortegas, that doesn't make any sense because that wasn't the real Ortegas. So right. it would make sense maybe for that one not to like Vulcans for blah blah whatever reasons, but. I mean, this one, the only times that she's mentioned it, which I would love to hear the full story of, is when she's talking to Chapel and she's like, like, don't get in between a Vulcan relationship. They will hit you with a litva. Have you ever been hit with a litva? I still have scars. And it's like, yeah, that could be an interesting story about why she hates Vulcans tell us what it is (laughs) tell us the story
0: (laughs) yeah um maybe like again uh, in a future episode we might get that in like one of those shuttle confessionals you know because that happens or just i don't know earn it over dribs and drabs you know from here and there i mean so let's see someone in the chat said She steals moments, Carlos says, she steals moments wherever she can. Well, you know what? So do really good shots of the Enterprise exterior in space. That doesn't make for a great character, right? So we don't want stolen moments anymore. Stolen moments happen like season one. You know, character threads happen at the end of a season and the beginning towards the middle of a, the next season. So let's see some character thread going here. I mean, let's see some yeah. actual substance.
4: Especially since Lon got, like, a whole episode for her. And I, I I, love, like, my favorite episodes are the episodes that are, like, specifically for one specific character. So I'd like all of them to get their own episode. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that um for Pike doing the pilot thing, that actually made sense to me, okay, because um it's just kind of like, it would be better, I, an ideal situation, she would be the pilot, and maybe like Alan said, she would be like the astronaut who stays on the shuttle, I don't know, but, um, you know, he's basically just like, because he's Pike and he can do everything, he can do this, it's just that in an ideal situation, he'd be, you know, able to do captainy things. Um, and then somebody else would handle the piloting, but since this is not an ideal situation and since she's the best one to pilot the enterprise, that's why, although then they kind of were just like, well, Una can also do it. (laughs) It's like, okay, well,
0: (laughs) right. You kick the can down the road. Can doesn't that special anymore. Right. Right. So, and the, the thing is also, it was, uh, the away team mission was strategized for four. So I'm sure that there are certain tactics kind of like, you know, when, when you balance kind of, uh, you know, you don't put like two huge weights on a weight bar and one weight on the other bar. It's unbalanced. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that there were, tactical reason why there needed to be four, you know, looking for each other's backs, making sure that everyone has cover, making sure that you have a backup system, the buddy system, things like that. But all of a sudden, Mr. I got like the impressive finger pointing at my head. (laughs) Talented guys like, well, I was a test pilot. Well, no one. That's not the point. The point is, is that you actually called for somebody to pilot the shuttle because you needed to do something else in that mission, like focus on the actual. Right. Being a captain.
4: Yeah. But when do captains ever do that, anyway? This um, is true. Yeah. But I, I did wish that they had. So she was the only one who wore the hat, um. And they even said later on that their their helmets were what pr- was protecting their brains. So I just wish that that like hat had just like you know had some like metal in it or something, and that she had been the only one who would have been protected. That would have been really cool.
0: Literally the reverse <laughs> of a tinfoil hat.
4: Yeah. Exactly. You know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Protecting their brains from the, oh, that would have been actually really interesting.
4: They even could have kept her on the ship, like, if she'd gone back to her quarters and seen the hat and been like, oh, why is this here? And then, like, puts it on and then, like, gets her memories back. That would have been really cool.
0: You see, (laughs) now you literally, you earned the hat, the writer's hat for this (laughs) evening's conversation. She gets you the writer's hat. Um, How about one last point here, Sherry, before we have to let you go and get on to our next caller?
4: Yeah, speaking of writers, though, even though this particular uh, episode was not my favorite, the last two were amazing. And I listened to a great interview uh, with uh, Jesse Gender and one of the writer-producers of uh, Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about um, how Strange New Worlds is very different in how most writers' rooms are, in that they let the writers stay on. And they, um, uh, Anton Mount even mentioned that this in his Ready Room um, interview as well. And I think that's probably why the writing is so good. Um, so more people should do that. Solidarity for the WGA. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> pay the writers.
0: <laughs> that's right. Pay your writers, pay your talent. You know, <laughs> I mean, what we're doing is we're we're literally like enjoying the fruits of their labor. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it's only fair that they get you know compensated for the work that they're putting in. And um, yeah, I stand with the WGA. You know, it's... Yeah. Uh, there, there are many writers that are working hard on these shows, uh, from the live action shows to the animated shows. Uh and so they should be recognized, you know, uh for the work that they do. You know, just like everyone else, like, you know, the uh, special effects designers, prop designers, stuntmen, men, you know, things of that mm-hmm. nature, you know, people in those yeah. professions for sure. Um, thanks, Sherry, for calling in. I appreciate your perspectives on things and uh Yay. see you next time. Yes, okay.
4: good seeing you, Norm.
0: Have a good seeing you too. You too. All right. <laughs> Bye. And we have Lou. Lou, what's happening, Lou? I said I was going to unmute.
5: Earl ruined my intro again. Got, um, the, got the shirt? I'm pretty sure that you're in charge of your own mute, so you kind of ruined your own well, he's Well, he, he, I was unmuting myself, and then he said to unmute me. So I, I anyway, I should point out I've been having some technical difficulties in the last couple of weeks. I'm on a laptop that could be older than you and it's very very uh slow speed i could i could wink out at any minute and i did not hear the sound for the first 20 minutes so anything that i say might be uh shall we say a rerun all right um i'm i'm sorry that i uh i've been binge catching up and i really wanted to be here last week because that was the most canadian episode i have ever seen of of star <laughs> trek i mean i've been to all of those places um would you say it, then
0: from looking at the episode that they were in 2023
5: I, I would say they were in the in the 21st century okay I, I i mean there uh there there were certainly some special effects at the uh at the museum where where, where they held a uh, little con Oh yeah yeah uh, but uh i i i think that they they did very little cgi or uh or uh extra uh ex- extra effects i mean uh they 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 certainly put different different messages at uh, at Dundas square but like i'm there once or twice a week and i just thought uh, what okay. show am i watching are they filming yeah. down the street uh I, I'm not giving up by the way. I do want to be uh, auditioning for that uh, that show in season three. I'm just putting it out there for the go years. for it. Okay, now um, I still love Strange New Worlds. I think it's the second uh, best Star Trek series on the air, unless you count the Orville in which case it's third. The best part <laughs> the best part that the best part of of that show as I think of any show is the acting and writing. And I thought the last two episodes were superb. They're not perfect, mm-hmm. but superb. Um, and by um on, on on the flip side, the worst part is when they just blow up a character. This has bugged me since the beginning when and this is why I hate prequels, as you know, because you've already established what this character is about. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, I mean, they've stayed true to Pike for the most part, but they've given Uhura and Chapel and Mabenga just character aspects that have no business being in there. I don't know where Mabenga fought or why, because as a doctor, you are trained to save lives and not take them. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen each episode once. I haven't seen a specific reference as to where he and, and, uh, and Lon and I don't know if they trained together, or we're in the same war, or whatever. But I get, I get her side. I don't get his side. That makes me nervous, especially when um, when I see some triggers
0: mm-hmm. uh,
5: uh, that 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 I, I, I swear to God, I, I feel like he could snap at any minute. And I think, that's not the yeah. temperament that you want in in in, in your doctor.
0: Yeah, No, I no, I mean, those are really, really great points and observations. And we're seeing kind of like a lot of that build up. We didn't see a lot of, I don't think any of that really in one, but with, you know, with the broken circle and him going into, let's use genetically modified steroids to enhance our strength and become these soldiers again, because it's not like it's the first time. And it's it, it, actually chapel really said, do you always keep that on you? And he said, yes. Mm-hmm. And
5: you're like, wow. Okay, so many so- unanswered questions. And they're yeah. supposed to be isolated, ep- more or less standalone isolated episodes. Uh, I mean, I'm okay with uh, non-serialized shows. I prefer that. But th- there, are, there are questions we kind of need to have answered. And I'm hoping that we can answer them this this season. Because I, I swear to God, McPengen makes me nervous.
0: Yeah, he's probably the most concerning just because you know he's walking this duality between healer and killer right so and this this
5: was not apparent in season one i did not see any evidence of that
0: no i don't think it was and I, I don't really remember that at all it's like it really started off with when he saw la'an and then he did that hand gesture like kind of doing the eye of Ra, and she did the same thing and then she did it again in this for episode those, for those
5: of us not familiar explain the eye of raw the egyptian The Egyptian Eye of Ra,
0: or uh, let me put it in these terms: the cover of uh, the Alan Parsons Project "Eye in the Sky."
5: I I, I know the album, but I can't I can't picture it. But okay, Okay. well, it looks like symbolizing symbolizing?
0: the Eye of Ra, the Ra, the sun god of the Egyptian mythology.
5: Okay. But I don't, I, but, but how, oh, how does but that, it's, I, it's
0: just, it, it looks like the wet she's drawing, like that line that she draws underneath her eye when she sees Mabanga and Mabanga draws the same line back. I don't know what it is. If it's a military thing with Starfleet, if it's some type of infantry thing, some type of shared kind of like battle uh, salute that they have that, with each other. That's what I'm wondering.
5: Do we, yeah. do we, uh, and I guess we're speculating, did they serve in the same battle together or did they serve to- together in the same battle or did they fight in the same war, but didn't meet each other until they, uh, they, they served aboard enterprise. Not that not that sure. matters so much because I, but again, it makes sense for La'an. She's in security. She needs to be combat trained. Right. I, 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 I don't, I don't see it in, Mab- in Mabenga. This, this has to be explained, uh, to, to not just to mollify us, but to really, uh, give us some sense of 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 closure or completeness. There's there's too many unanswered questions. Remember the very first episode of Star Trek, arguably, uh, Kirk uh, Kirk tells I forget if it was McCoy or Crater he doesn't like mysteries because they give him a bellyache. Yeah, I don't like right. mysteries within mysteries within mysteries, like a a, a riddle inside an a mystery inside an enigma. I I, I want Mabenga to be a doctor. We had that whole story about his daughter, that's gone. Um, it was resolved more or less satisfactorily, but now this whole aspect that came out of nowhere, and that's the other thing. There's been no hint of of any of this all this season. Sorry, I I don't mean to. Well, it's, on not, this. It's, it's not it's not necessary if that's not
0: necessarily true it has been hinted at in the broken circle where he talked about he was on that moon with that klingon where it was so bloody it rained blood in the atmosphere and ve- that's very that's well this season that was the first episode yeah
5: when they oh, walked- well, no, no but i'm saying it wasn't last season
0: um yeah it was this it was the first episode the broken circle he was treating a klingon inside that stolen mm-hmm. federation ship and the klingon yeah insulted him and he said what do you know of that battle and he said i know that it was so you know was so brutal it rained blood blood. and he was like yeah oh yeah you were there right so there are like there there are hints of that darkness and maybe i i've actually speculated this in some other discussions that you know there were makos at one point in time in starfleet and it's very well possible he was a doctor of a mako unit that went inside and did some pretty seriously nasty things but he was their medic
5: and, and Mako, uh, just just so I don't have to look it up to remember.
0: Mako's you. Mako's are in. You're a Star Trek fan, right? Well, uh, uh, okay. the,
5: the original you're, series. But hold I don't on a second. are your acronyms.
0: But your show, your shirt literally says Trek trivia. Yeah. Okay. Because just,
5: I I know I have all the answers in my in my database. But oh, okay. I could I would fail my own show if it was on Enterprise or
0: Voyager. <laughs> yeah, the make- uh, the Makos were, um, and they actually mentioned this in uh, Star Trek Beyond. The Makos were the kind of like the the special forces within Starfleet.
5: That oh no, this- I knew I knew that I could I couldn't remember what the what the acronym stood for. Um, the combat officers, but I can't remember what it was. Okay, but you know what the Makos are, so it's very well yes. possible oh, yeah. that he
0: could have been one of these very specialized trained combat medics
5: and. Uh, you would be trained in something like this, you, so know, in- you, you okay, so when you say combat medics, you don't mean a medic who is in a combat zone. you mean a medic who is also trained in combat. to, to me, honestly, those those two um, those two aspects are 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 in direct contradiction I, I I think they're incompatible with with being a doctor, just being trained as as a soldier instead of being trained to say uh, to save lives and heal people, I I, I think it's just incompatible with his being. I, I, it it would be, uh... well,
0: there's a difference between being trained to take a life and being trained to defend yourself. That takes a life. Okay. You know, so, I mean, he can't, he can't really help anyone if he himself has gone down in a combat situation. So, and maybe that's that kind of belabors the point, but that's very well possible that that's where Mabenga has has received his training and doesn't want to talk about it. But um, we are. I just. I don't want to hang on to that too long. So, if there's one last thing you would like to say before I have to close the show,
5: no. I was. Uh, I was just going to say I'm glad that uh, the that I've caught up. Um, and uh, the 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 next time if you uh, if you do need a co-host, uh, the, that uh, uh, you'll uh, you'll remember me when uh, when I get a new uh, a new setup. I
0: will keep you in the very front of the back of my mind.
5: <laughs> oh. That's all I can ask.
0: All right. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate your call. All right. All right. Um, and I would usually turn to Heather and say, Heather, anything left to say? But all I can do is really wish Heather all the best. I hope you get better and feel better and get back to us real soon. Uh, because honestly, as much as uh, I was able to do this, it's really not quite the same you know, without you um, or John here. And... All I can say is I hope both of you come back very, very soon, And uh, but I do enjoy talking to the chat. Uh, I I do enjoy reading all of, as much as I can get to them, reading all of your uh, feedback, and thank you for being patient uh, with us, um, you know, with my blathering on. Uh, but uh, I do love talking about the show. I do love talking to you. And with that, we are at the end of our show. So let's do the thing. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live is done by the incomparable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash log. Again, we hope Heather gets well soon so she can be back for the next episode of Mission Log Live and our continuing coverage for Strange New Worlds. Thanks to everyone in the chat who has joined us here, live, or those of you who will join us later. We look forward to seeing you all next week.
4: This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.